Welcome to the Eclectic Readers Podcast, where our love of books is historical. I'm Jeanette. I'm Susan. I'm Tara. How are you guys? Woo! <laughs> good. It's Leo month. It's my birthday month. I'm feeling super good. <laughs> That's true. By the time this yep. is released, you will be older. You will oh, be. Oh, that, that part I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> it just means you're wiser and, you know, that part you I'll more take. of the world. You know what I mean? So there's, there's some good stuff, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, totally. It gives you seniority. That's what yep. it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah. I am Mufasa now, looking over my kingdom. I'm no longer Simba, being told yes. this is my kingdom. Exactly. True. <laughs> Everything the light touches, it's all Every, yours. Everything the light touches. I'm just yes. being the most typical Leo right now. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what about everybody else? How are you guys doing? Um, I'm good. It is back to school season in Colorado, um, which means my oldest is going to kindergarten next week. <gasps> <laughs> oh, oh my god yeah You're, so it used to be that siblings like my friend's siblings is what made me feel old mm-hmm, right now it's my friend's kids right yeah she's starting oh, kindergarten okay. it's unbelievable <laughs> this is crazy <laughs> yeah to me yeah i mean so she's not quite five yet but she makes the cutoff um but she is like roaring to go I mean, she loved going school shopping. Um, we're going to meet her teacher later in a few days, and then it'll be first day of school. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So she's ready. She's Are you t- ready? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, she, I don't want to hold her back because I really think she's ready for kindergarten, you know? Um, but yeah, it's going to be a huge change, like a massive change. Because now I have to, like, take my kids to two different schools. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, that's going to be a pain for another three years. <laughs> um, oh, man, the things you don't think about. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, ugh. So, like, I've been uh, switching around bedtimes to make it work more. And it's, it's been a process. But I think I'll be okay. I might have a few little tears, but we'll see. I'll be strong. <laughs> I believe in you, Susan. Thanks. You can do it. <laughs> yep. How about you, Nat? How you doing? I'm trying to enjoy summer, pretend that back-to-school season isn't here. <laughs> um, our summer was so short this year because we always get out in like mid-June, but they've been playing with the calendar for the past couple of years, mm. and they've been playing with the idea of starting before Labor Day, right. which is not something we've done in this area before, mm-hmm. which was fine last year when we started it. I was like, okay, fine. You know, it'll be a shorter summer this year, but next year will be better. But now they found, hey, teachers are right. They really don't have enough time to do all the things they're supposed to do before school starts. So they've added extra teacher work days now on oh. to oh, the beginning goodness. of the school year. So now summer is really short. Um, That's some planning right problems. there. <sighs> right? Um, so I'm just trying to pretend that I'm not right about to go back into the school year and you know, have as much fun as possible. So mm-hmm. we went to the zoo. We went to a birthday party yesterday, which was super fun. Um, Catherine, it was an adult birthday party, but Catherine basically stole the show because she jumped into onto the dance floor and, <laughs> you know, everybody's in a circle dancing. Cute. And the, um, the two people the birthday party was for were like up going like, oh, yeah, YMCA and all those crazy dance songs that make people get on the floor and act silly. And Catherine's like, an audience? Don't mind if I do. I walked right into the middle of the Aww, circle and started cute. That is so adorable. Cute, uh, cute, cute. She's just looking around like, this is great. Everybody looking at me, telling me how cute I am when I get to dance. So, oh, to be a child crazy. again. I know. Oh, to be a child. The simple pleasures. Yes, they have it. They just have it so easy. They have no idea. <laughs> um, well, back, back, well, except for you, Tara, no back to school. Although, is your husband going back to school? He is, yeah. So, yes, actually, I also have someone returning to school. <laughs> yeah, my husband goes into year two of law school. Um, nice. I know year two. It's already, 
<laughs> just two more years. Two more mm-hmm. years, yes. and it'll be over. Yes. Um, year two of law school starts in t- in a week from today. Okay. Um, yeah, so that that's a whole thing. So yeah. interviews have already happened. Uh, he got into moot court and law review. So he's been doing orientation for both those things. So he's already actually like started going back yeah. into school every day. Um, just, yeah, classes haven't started yet. So <laughs> round two, <laughs> here we go, guys. Ding, ding, ding. Yay, you, you guys will make it. I know I always hear that it's tough for mother, you know, lawyer couples so hang in there (laughs) hey year one's supposed to be the worst yeah and we're through it so at this point it's just hang on get through the ride nice you can do it (laughs) Mm. so with all this back to school because there's some back to school going on have we gotten a lot of reading done surprisingly yes yay <laughs> i mean for the first i feel like that's the first time i've said that in a while yeah, I, but like I, I know i had to so step busy. back when I, I was like oh look at tara's notes i'm gonna step back <laughs> um yeah so um i read like maybe five books last month nice just a lot of books mm-hmm. but it's good it's good it's um you know getting back into the groove of it i i, I sort of i think i'm finally coming out of a pretty terrible slump um but the one that i really loved is the uh reaper at the gate series or not the reaper the ember in the ashes series by saba tahir which is in its third installment which is reaper at the gates which i'm halfway through right now so i've read i read both the other two in like literally a week nice Um, (laughs) and um now sadly on reaper at the gates and it is so good you guys it's so good. I keep. I want to talk things. about it, but like, I can't because I will definitely spoil things. But if you have not read it, it's you know POC main character, multiple, um, multiple uh, POVs, um, really enthralling um, magic system, uh, great politics. It sort of has everything. A love triangle. So, uh, <laughs> it, uh, like. Uh, Good. Yeah. Yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. Yes and no to the love triangle. Sometimes love squares, sometimes not mm-hmm. a love anything. Good. Um, I would I, I I prefer that. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it, yeah. it like I it it's not all about love. Yeah. Right? Like well, that's not yeah. that's not the end game for the well, it might be the end game for the series. I don't right. know. Haven't read the fourth book yet. Um and it won't <laughs> well, be. Well she out hasn't finished like the fourth years. book yet. She hasn't even so. started reading it, writing it, I don't think so. Yeah. It I, it's uh, not due out until next year. So my yeah. guess is probably late next year. Yeah. Yeah. I was I just actually, thinking of Zodiac when I was like, Love Triangle? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. No, never Zodiac. <laughs> never Zodiac. Oh God. Um for those of you who don't know, we read that for book club once. Don't read it. Not the Zodiac Killer book. That one's really good. Zodiac the YA. Not <laughs> um, But I actually went to a an author event with her when I was in D.C. And she is hysterical. So if you also follow, follow like authors on social media and you have not followed um, Saba Tahir, do it. Do it. She is phenomenal. What about you, Susan? What are you reading? Uh, well, I am halfway through The Two Towers. We just finished uh, book three. So um, we're on to the Frodo and Sam and Gollum half of the um, book. Yep. Yeah. So we're checking along. <laughs> That's awesome. Two um, Towers is the best one. It's so good. Oh, man. <laughs> it is. It is the best of the trilogy. Yeah, it's just so much going on, so much so much action. Like, it's, it's really good. I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, and I am reading Goblet of Fire. Nice. Um, yeah, so I'm getting through those that series. And I have also just finished End of the Island, which is book three of the End of Green Gable series. And I'm just waiting for my hold for End of Windy Poplars from the library. So, yeah. No. getting through all my series here <laughs> i have no That's idea what awesome. anne of windy poplars is but is that like a is that, it's is from that the a, anne of green gables series too i, I just yeah. love like, that title yeah again yeah. as as 
longtime listeners will know, I've never read the Anne of Green Gables series. Um, but that is just such a beautiful title. I just it, want to say that. The, the titles for, because there's seven books in the series. And I, I just, I love all the titles of the books, really. Um, That's true. Wendy Poplar's isn't my favorite book because it's, a lot of it is epistolary and that's not my favorite form of writing. Um, but yeah, all the titles are just lovely because after Wendy Poplar's is Anne's House of Dreams. Um, and then after that, I cannot remember. Oh, Rainbow Valley. And then after that, it's Rilla of Ingleside. So, yeah, I was going to say yep. like after the Anne, the Anne's end, they yep. all kind of shift to Anne's whole family. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they're good. I prefer the Anne books yeah. versus the family books. But yeah. then again, now that I think about it, I haven't read these since I was a kid. So. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of curious because I haven't read the last two ver- as much and it's been a while. So I'm looking forward to getting back to those books. So. Yeah, how, what are you reading, Jeanette? Oh, man. Reading has <laughs> been so incredible lately. I mean, th- 15 books in July. I just would put one down and, like, pick up the ne- – well, that was also because all my library holds came in at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> you um, make my five books sound so I know. I think 15. I only read, like, six. <laughs> just so, so – six? Ugh. All right, five, you guys. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I, it was just all my library holds came in, and they were all books that I'd had been that I'd been waiting for. Because what I did was I asked Litzy, "What are what good YA books that I should look into for my classroom for the fall?" And they gave me a ton of suggestions. Mm, that's right. And all of them came in at once. <laughs> so I was like, "Well, if I miss this, what's going to happen to me is the same thing that happened to me when I was listening to the Goblet of Fire audiobook, oh, no. and they will expire, and I'll have to put them on hold, and I'll have to wait another three months for them." <laughs> so I just read really, really fast, and I don't regret it. Um, <laughs> they were so good. So um, Jason Reynolds was recommended to me by a couple of people, and. I just recommend all his work. I've read three books by him, two of his track series in All American Boys, and they're just so good. The dedication in the second book of the track series is something like for all the girls who are past the baton too young. And that that right there says it all. Like it just I spent the entire weekend thinking about that book. Nice. Oh. Um I just finished All American Boys, and that one made me cry. Um, but also, Piecing Me Together by Renee Watson is incredible. That one I read the same day as I read the second book of the track series. So I read two of these books in the same day, and both of them made me cry. And I sat there thinking about both of them for like three days straight because I finished them on a Friday. Listeners, I just want to tell you, do not feel bad that you cannot read at the levels <laughs> that Jeanette reads at. She, yeah, she's in a it, it's superhuman. <laughs> it, it's superhuman. It's on a totally, yeah, totally. It's, it's, but this, no, it's not about me. It's about these books. Like, they're just that good. So Piecing Me Together is by this girl named, is about this girl named Jade. And she, um, she doesn't have a lot of money and she's black, but she goes to this school and like, the fancy na- neighborhood, the fancy side mm-hmm. of town. Mm-hmm. And at the in this neighborhood, they're always like, oh, here's a good opportunity for you. SAT prep classes. And here's a good opportunity for you. Be part of this woman's mentoring thing. And what she, the opportunity that she most wants, the reason why she even decided to come to this school is to go on the study abroad program. But you have oh. to be nominated by a teacher for it. Oh. So she spends her entire school year contemplating why it is that people are always trying to, you know, fix her and give her opportunities, but they um, don't let her, like, her reach out, re- yeah, reach out, give back to her own community and, you know, say what it is that she needs and what she wants. And it, it's just so great because... Jade is such a normal kind of teenage girl. She goes to school. She works hard. And she has a hard time 
you know, speaking up for herself to these adults who are all like, oh, yeah, no, we'll tell you what's best for you. But she feels constantly like she's trying to be fixed and she's not really being heard. Mm. Um, and it's just so, so good. Uh, and the other one that I read was like The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. And, you know, everybody's been talking about that. Mm -hmm. So shocking yep. if I say it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. And I I mean, I've read our giveaway book, Kingdom of Ash and Soot by C.S. Johnson. I've been so busy. So right now I'm just like I'm slowing down. I'm reading our Dark Duet by Victoria Schwab. Nice. Nice. And I'm finally going back to Don Quixote because I had to put that down. Sure. <laughs> I did not have enough hands, eyes, brains. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and loans so obviously good. come first, you know, like they're going to take it back. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Don Quixote is free. So exactly. You just yep. Pick it up when you pick it up. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm about a, you know, I'm about a fifth of the way through and it's, it's hilarious. Like it's surprisingly hilarious. Mm -hmm. It was just, there were so many books. Nice. And they were yeah. all incredible. Ugh. Jeanette, no one's blaming you. Jealous. Everyone's <laughs> just impressed. Yeah, this jealousy, not going to lie. <laughs> like, <laughs> like uh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, so I just, because it's such a huge momentous, well, huge momentous thing for me, us. <laughs> and I'm people. doing. Yep. And uh, I'm, you know, I happen to be doing the reread during this time, but uh, I just wanted to like give a little, give a little space here for, for our beloved Harry Potter, um, mm, because Harry. Harry turned 20, <laughs> which is incredible. Um, it's insane. Yeah. It's hard to believe. It's been so long. And I did not get into the series from the first book. Um, mm -hmm. How about you guys? Uh, I think I got into the series right before the fourth book was released. Okay. So I, I was in high school and it was maybe either my senior or junior year, but one of the years where I was like, all I want to do is not be in class. And the way I skipped classes in high school in my goody two shoe way was to either go to borders or the library or my chorus <laughs> classroom. Um, so literally that, that's what I did. So I'd read instead of go to class. Um, and what happened was I was really bored and I was in the library and I didn't want to, um, I don't know, I, I didn't want to read something big. And I finally decided, oh, you know what? I'm going to see what this Harry Potter thing is all about. I've been making fun of it for maybe two years now. <laughs> um, and, and I'm just going to see what this thing is about. And I devoured those books in that library. Mm -hmm. I think I got through all three in a week. Oh, yeah. That's oh. totally, totally believable. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Easily. Yep. How about you, Jeanette? So when Harry Potter was starting to become big, I was still living in Ecuador. And, you know, my friend Susan, she was obviously still here in the U.S. I didn't, like, kidnap her and take her with me. <laughs> but, um, you know, I should have, but I Adventure. didn't. Adventure! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so she and I, we had this thing where we would – talk weekly because like um because of daylight savings time and stuff um time differences and stuff don't line up so it'd be hard to end you know making a phone call from ecuador or whatever so we had a weekly chat on wednesday nights to catch up and she one day was talking to me about these books that she'd been reading and she's like oh yeah i finally got around to harry potter blah 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 and i was like I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what that means. <laughs> and she's like, you never heard of Harry Potter? It's like, no, no idea. And so she sent me the first, she sent me the first two books as a um, Christmas gift. And I, we were spending Christmas in the U.S. that year. So I actually got them the morning we left for the U.S., they arrived in our mail. So I was like, okay, well, now I have something to read on the plane. And I devoured them. Nice. I read them both on the – I think I read the first one on the plane there and, like, the second one the next day or something like that. Um, I So I devoured both of them. And then I was like, oh, man, those were so good. And my aunt in the U.S. was like, oh, did you like those? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, I'm so, I'm so glad that you, like – 
you liked these? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I had no idea what she was talking about, but she had heard about the phenomenon and just naturally assumed that I would be into it and that my brother <laughs> would too. So for Christmas, she gave me Prisoner of Azkaban and she gave my brother Goblet of Fire. Nice. And those were all all four of the books that were out that, that yeah. year. But like after I had re- read them, I handed them to my brother and he had read them. So then we were taking turns with the other two. And that's how we got started. Um, She just, you know, just people assuming that I would love these and just gave them to me. And they were all right, clearly. (laughs) Aw, I love those stories. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty awesome. That's cute. Um, Well, I'm a few years older than you guys. So I was actually in college um, when Harry Potter came out. And it's really funny because I know I remember I was home from break, and you guys remember the Rosie O'Donnell show? <laughs> uh, oh yeah, yes. yeah. Like I happened to be home. I'm from break, you know, so I'm not doing anything. So I'm watching TV. It's Rosie O'Donnell. She was plugging the book. And, what? Yeah, she was Sorry. plugging Philosopher <laughs> Stone. She's like, I love this book, and I'm like, oh. And then I looked at the cover. I'm like, no, I don't want to read it because I don't like the artwork. <laughs> <laughs> you've so, told that to me before yeah I, mean, I highly disagree with you but yes you've told that a to lot me of people disagree with me but like I just it didn't draw me so I was like meh whatever and so I think like two three years went by my sister who's a lot younger than me you know it's like you have to read this book I'm like meh like it's I don't like the cover it's fine so I actually did not get into it until Goblet of Fire came out because uh it was in paperback by the time I got into it because it was like break again and I was super bored my sister borrowed it from her friends so I was like it's here I'll you know I'll give it a shot and then I was like oh my god I have been missing so much (laughs) you know I think that's so funny that all of us didn't really get into it until around the time Mm -hmm. of Goblet of Fire yep I think a lot of people um like Prisoner of Azkaban Goblet of Fire uh, um, around there is when, like, a lot of people say they started getting into the series. But to be fair, I think those went, that's when the series, like, grows up a little bit. Yeah, I think so. You know. Because it's very yeah. juvenile, you know, the first two books. Yeah. So, I mean, adorable, but, yes, yes juvenile. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I would also say that probably there, I mean, I don't know because I wasn't here. But I remember a pretty big gap between Goblet, like having read all four books and the fifth book coming out. Yes. So it was like two years. Yeah. So I remember, like, I read all the books. I was like, what? This is all there is? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And not, again, I was in Ecuador. So I had to be told, oh, yeah, there's another one coming, but it's Mm -hmm. not out yet. Mm -hmm. Right. And. So I had to wait and wait. So I think that kind of builds the hype. And in the meantime, the movie, the first movie came out. Right. Yeah, that did yep. happen around then. It did. Yeah, so, because I read the books and then a year and a half later, I think, yeah. the movie came the out. The movie came out. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I they used to be released yearly, like on a schedule so that mm-hmm. – um, and then, you know, well, you all have seen Harry Potter books. You all know this. They got giant uh, <laughs> and got much more complicated. And she was like, yeah, this is just not going to happen anymore, <laughs> which you can't, can't yeah. blame her for. Yeah, she really struggled with um, Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a really big gap between Goblet and Order of the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. At least it felt like a really big gap yep. to me. So. I don't know how it would have felt to, you know. Same with six and seven. Everybody else. Yeah, there was like, a bit was, of a gap. It was 2005 when... It was 2005 when um, uh, six came out, and then it was 2007 when mm. seven came out. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Little things. I, I'm remembering <laughs> where I was at the midnight release parties, basically is what I'm doing. I'm like, in 2005, I was at the number six release party in New York. And then in 2007, oh. it was after graduation. We all came back for it. And we, yeah. we all did it together. And I'm like, yeah, I'm really sad, slash not sad, slash impressed with myself that I can recall that. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that... for... Oh, go ahead. I remember the Order of the Phoenix one when it came out. I didn't do any... You know, again, this I was just it was just after my first year of college. We uh, my dad had just moved to a new town. I didn't know anybody. 
And so I didn't do any parties or anything. Like I just waited anxiously for it to come out. <laughs> and my brother actually got it first. And he was taking forever to read it. But I had a summer job and we had always shared, right? And I had a summer job. So one day after my job, I just drove over to the bookstore and bought my own copy. But then I had to read it in secret because I read faster than him. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, I, so I read faster than him, and I didn't want him to feel bad because, or like to spoil anything. So I was reading it in secret, and I did not tell him. And he started it late too. Um, I think the reason why he got it first was because he got it for his birthday, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, something like that. Like it came out near his birthday, I think. So he got it for his birthday. So I was reading it in secret, and finally, like, he finishes it, and he's, and he's like, okay, I'm done. You can have it. I was like, oh, thank goodness you're done. We have to talk now. <laughs> I was like, I just finished it yesterday, and I've been dying. <laughs> that's adorable. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, nice. that's the reason why I remember that, like, big break, because all these things happened, and then I still had to wait to read it and still had to wait to talk about it. <laughs> mm. So that actually ties in well into the next question I had. It's like, are you guys very into Potter culture? Like, were you ever into like Wizard Rock and all that? You know, like I know some of us read fan fiction. Do we read a lot of Harry Potter fan fiction? So, yeah. Um, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Not anymore, right? But like um, in the day, in the day, um, all of the Harry Potter fan sites was like they were bookmarked. For mm-hmm. me, um, and like I didn't talk about this at school, but like I was definitely into the fan fiction. I was definitely into like um, I definitely had like shipping preferences, and as Jeanette knows, because I have in length probably discussed <laughs> to her my shipping preferences uh, in Harry Potter in the middle of our food hall um, in I college. I have no recollection of this. <laughs> no, you, of course you don't. Why, why would you? Like, literal fights almost broke out during these things. Um, <laughs> I, like, I, yeah, I was really into it. But that being said, like, I was into it in a way that I never did any of the, other than the release parties, mm-hmm. um, I never did any of the, like, uh, in-person stuff right um but like they all looked really fun <laughs> i would have liked to go <laughs> like to do it. um yeah so okay yeah what about you guys were you, any of oh, any of you super into it i was into some of it i mean you know there's always like great harry potter fan videos and stuff like that like mm-hmm. um the Potter Puppet Pals. I always found those hilarious. Oh, those are yes. great. It was great. Um, I read a few fan fictions, mostly the ones that Tara told me to read. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wasn't um, – I've never been huge fan fiction – I've never been a huge fan fiction reader. Um, but, yeah, there were some good ones out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I've been to the release parties and stuff like that. Um, my cousin – for a few years there, she had an annual like Harry birth Harry Potter birthday party, nice. um, which you know her birthday's in January, so it was not her birthday party. It was let's just celebrate Harry Potter's birthday and watch all the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would have like all the movies playing in the background, and we would do things like make Harry Potter recipes and um, play Harry Potter type games and stuff like that, and that was really fun. Um, we. I, we like made butter beer and Harry's birthday cake and a couple of other random things. Cute. Um, I mean, a lot of fun little things, but never like any of the big type stuff. And now that I'm thinking about it, I've never even actually worn like a Harry Potter costume, like not to a convention, <gasps> not for Halloween, never. Mm. It's wait, wait, very wait, wait, weird wait, to wait, think wait, about wait, that. Wait. You've been to the Harry Potter world in Universal, yeah? You never, you didn't put on a robe at any point in time when you were there, like not even for fun, not even to take no, a picture. No, when I went, it was so soon after it opened, uh, it was yeah, packed. So like crowded. I couldn't get, I couldn't get to anything. I barely got on the rides. All right, new goal. <laughs> <laughs> new goal is to get a house photo with all four of the podcast hosts. Oh, that'd be fun. New goal. <laughs> I do have a Hufflepuff sweater. Which nice. Is just, which is just a wool sweater with like Hufflepuff colors, you know, 
on the cuff, but it's top awesome. of the cuff. My, I have my, my gym I have Gryffindor bag is a Gryffindor bag. And yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. I like that the most so with I all the pop culture and phenomena that's happened. Yeah. Yeah. Is the paraphernalia like the goods. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of stuff now that I'm thinking because I also have necklaces and yeah. stuff. Yeah. The goods. I am loving the goods. Like, I mean, oh my gosh, let's so be fair. Like, I, I, I think like of all my fandoms, I don't think Harry Potter is the one I am the most loyal to. Mm-hmm. I believe that goes to Star Trek. Sure. I will love Star Trek to the end of time. Um, well, but Harry Potter is a close, is mm-hmm. in the top three. Right. Um, I love Harry Potter so much, I flew to London for it. Right. Um, so, like, um, yeah, I, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things that I think is just everlasting and amazing, and I think it teaches kids such great mm-hmm. you know, morals and yeah. such a wonderfully built world, and I, I love getting to revisit it. Mm-hmm. I just do. I agree with you. I am looking forward to when uh, Emily's a little older and be like, we are reading Sorcerer's Stone. Like, (laughs) let's do this. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, I can't wait. Because I agree with you, Tara. It has, you know, all wonderful morals, like wonderful characters to like look up to. Um, It's just it's just a lot of good stuff in these books that I really admire, you know? Yeah. so yeah, it's like Harry Potter forever, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, Go Gryffindor. A... Yeah. <laughs> so you're Gryffindor. I'm a Leo and a Gryffindor. It's a problem. I know. I know. Lion, lions everywhere. <laughs> so you're Gryffindor. Um, I'm Hufflepuff. Jeanette, you are. Ra- I am. I am a Gryffin Claw. Like I used to be a Ravenclaw, and now I'm more Gryffindor than anything. So. Okay. I'm very excited to have a friend in a red robe. Very few people are <laughs> Gryffindors. Everybody's just like, oh, it was so cool to be in Gryffindor back in the day. And now everyone's like, mm, yeah. Pride, Ravenclaw Pride. I'm like, Gryffindor Pride? Oh, yeah, <laughs> See, back when it was cool to be Gryffindor, I We're wasn't one. Awesome. And now it's not cool to be Gryffindor, and I am. <laughs> well, welcome. Well, welcome. Welcome to the Pride. Yep. Welcome to the Pride. <laughs> well, then Meredith um, is Hufflepuff. She is Hufflepuff. So, so we've got two Hufflepuffs yes. and two Gryffindors? Yes. Awesome. Good, yeah. good color combo right there. Yeah, seriously. Um, <laughs> but speaking of great books, I think we read a pretty good one this month. And uh, I'm saying that because it's also my book. So maybe I'm biased. <laughs> maybe just, just a tad, just a little bit. Um, we read America's First Daughter. Um, and to give you a little bit... Oh, of course, by Stephanie Dre. Sorry, Stephanie. By Stephanie Dre. Um, and I give you a quick summary. Um, in a compelling, richly researched novel that draws from thousands of letters and original sources, literally every chapter starts with a letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best-selling authors Stephanie Dre and Laura Kamoy. Is that right? I hope that's right. Um, tell the fascinating untold story of Thomas Jefferson's eldest daughter, Martha Patsy Jefferson Randolph, a woman who kept the secrets of our most enigmatic founding father and shaped an American legacy. So that's really, that's really high level because it get, gets really detail oriented. Um, so for you guys, what's one thing that stood out for you in this book? For me, um, long, but (laughs) (laughs) well-researched. Oh, no. I think we have a dissenter. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, and I get it, like, and especially because I listened to the author's note at the end, um, Mm -hmm. and I understood that they wanted to, like, really encompass her history and things like that, but it was, like, a little too long for me. (laughs) But I do really appreciate the research. Yeah. I mean, it it did feel very very long. Um, I but I guess what stood out to me is I how do I explain it? Actually, <laughs> what stood out to me the most is the relationship between Patsy and Thomas Jefferson. Mm. Um, he becomes very um, very dependent on her mm-hmm. and it actually made me want to go like visit like Monticello and I mean that's not far from here so like do things like that and learn a little bit more about this relationship 
between them because there were definitely times that I was like, so, like, how much of this do they have actual proof of? Because, yeah, and how much of this is, you know, the fiction of the historical fiction? Mm. Because there were parts where I was like, neither of you guys are looking good here. Is this something that really happened? So mm, I see. Yeah, it was it was very interesting. But okay. well, fair enough. Uh, let's jump into what I think is the main purpose of this book or the main theme. Um, this book is mostly about the roles of women in history, in the home, in the lives of men. Um. What do you think, in general, this book is trying to say here? Um, I think it's trying to say that, uh, even especially nowadays, because looking back on history and we're trying to learn from history nowadays, you know, um, that women had more power than people thought, um, and this happens a lot in these types of historical novels and with a woman's perspective um, is to show that, yes, women, unfortunately, were in this type of bubble and restriction, all these restrictions, and a lot of them did the best they could to strive for something better. Does that make sense? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it's like, oh, you know, it's so easy to be like, oh, you know, they were just in the kitchen. They couldn't do much. They just hung out, did the washing, and, you know, did the cooking. But it's like, <laughs> no, like, they may have had household responsibilities, but they were actually, they, you know, they were told, like, a lot of politics, and they were, to- you know, they were very well informed. And, you know, they would be talking to each other about how the country is going. And, and then they would, you know, try to make their sway in the ways they could. Right. So... That's always appreciated, you know? <laughs> oh, of course. Uh, what about you, Jeanette? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Susan. It, you know, I think that what people tend to forget is that women's roles in history, just because they weren't written down, didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, Such a good way and, to put it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and... They, you know, one of the things that, um, which is what, I guess one of the things that made me wonder, like, how much of this do they have evidence of? Because I, you know, it, it, sometimes you can find, you can find proof, you can find letters, you can find things like that. Right. Jefferson uh, has an intense amount of letters. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah, on file. Right. And so... I I like that it kind of goes to that from that angle in looking at Jefferson and the time period. Like, um, and I guess that's what just fascinates me to know, like, how much of this can we prove? How much of this right. is real? Because I think that's important to know. Right. Um, I, I, you know, they actually have a pretty long list of things. They're like, yes, this is what we fudged. And yes, this is yes. what is totally incorrect. <laughs> right. Or yeah. yes, this is, this is something we kind of sort of made up because we thought it would be interesting. There's no proof mm-hmm. to this, but there's no proof against it either. Right. 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 Um, you know, like Patsy finding out who the spy was. There was a spy. Right. Um, no proof as to who actually like found the spy up. They're like, we just thought it'd be fun if it was Patsy. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll go with it. She was there. Mm-hmm. Fine, I'm fine with that. <laughs> Can have some, some leeway to make things interesting, mm-hmm. right? Um, and some of that is kind of obvious. Like I would guess that, you know, Thomas Jefferson's daughter would probably, no matter how young she was, would probably be smart enough not to go into some man's room in the middle of the night. <laughs> Like, right. It's just not. It's not a safe move yeah. on any level. Right. Exactly. <laughs> But it made for a fun story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it did. It did. Um, you know, I found it, like, I shouldn't be surprised by this, but uh, I was a little surprised by how needy the men were. That's a really good point, and you are correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, that, and that, to me, actually, that's another thing that makes me always want to know more, because I find that when 
when stories are being retold from female mm-hmm. perspectives, that's a very frequent characteristic mm. I see in that. Yeah. Like the men are really needy. And I'm not trying to say that men aren't needy. I'm trying to say that I can't see how these women would put up with them. Right, right. <laughs> well, it was their I'm job like, there's got to be a balance you know. between what we actually hear in history books and what really happened and it's, this it's like, yeah, version where, like, the men self-help? can't, like, put their shoes on, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, of how needy some men were, so uh, Sally and Patsy, oh, yeah. <laughs> right, um, foils of each other in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. um, both trapped, I would say, and I, and I, Specifically would say the word trapped, both trapped by Thomas Jefferson in their own way. Um, in what ways are they similar? In what ways are they different? In what ways is their relationship similar uh, for t- their relationship to, to Jefferson similar? Um, obviously, one is sexual, one's not. So you don't have to point that out. But like in what other ways um, is their relationship to him similar? You know, I can see Jefferson kind of using the two of them for different reasons. I mean, besides the you know, physical, obviously, but like, you know, he actually, he went to Patsy more for helping his career, helping run the house, you know, run the household in political sense, um, and like uh, just talking her out about certain things that he's going through career-wise. Um, whereas I feel like Sally is more of like the emotional side, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so like any, whatever, like concerns he had or things that were just freaking him out and, and like, like she would be there to help him. Um, so they, so they cut the two of them together would then like is taking care of the whole, I think. <laughs> at first, do you think, uh, do you think like Patsy ever felt like Sally was taking that bit of her father away from her? Probably. Um, cause she's thinking like taking care of her father was her responsibility. You know, I mean, that's like a main focus, right? Yeah. Of her taking care of her father. Um, and I, and I think when she's younger, she really thought that, um, as she grew older, I think she's realized the dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when, you know, Sally was allowed to be in his room at a certain time and nobody else was. You know, because that's the time for him to like feel emotionally vulnerable, I guess. And he right. felt comfortable with Sally to do that. He might want to continue to just be like mentally, emotionally strong for for Patsy. Um, but yeah, I can definitely see Patsy feeling like it, that thing is being taken away from her. I feel like that's one of the reasons why she had such issues with Sally at first. Especially in the beginning. Yes. Because I think she also feels like she makes a lot of sacrifices for him, mm-hmm. for, for for her father. Yeah. That, yeah. like, she's like, why am I doing this if you're just going to use someone else to do the thing that, you know, you've made me promise or, you know, my mom mm-hmm. made me promise, but, you know, that you sort of insisted right. on this role that I cover. Um, yeah. Jeanette, what do you think? Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, the interesting thing about them, the way they're trapped, is that they both, especially... Um, at right then when we're there leaving Paris, they have both have the opportunity to leave. Mm-hmm. They both have yeah. the opportunity to walk away from this trap. Can we just say Jefferson is a manipulative little piece of <laughs> beep? That's that exactly yes. what I was going to say is, <laughs> mm. but they're both manipulated mm-hmm. back in and they choose to stay. I mean, they're manipulated into making that choice, but they do make the choice. Um, yeah because he's manipulated it so that their lives will be so much harder if they don't make that choice. And it's, but it's sad because when they come back, you know, Patsy has so many other options, so many other opportunities when they come back to the States, like she could, you know, she can marry somebody else if she wants to. She cannot mm-hmm. marry this new guy and wait and try and marry somebody else or, you know, support her father or whatever she, you know, whichever she chooses. Mm-hmm. But once they get back to the States, Sally doesn't have those options. No. no. Sally is definitively trapped for years to come. Mm-hmm. Ugh, it's so sad. Yep. Um, and what do you think about Sally's choice to return to Virginia or, and her brother's choice to return? Like they could literally just leave. I mean, given the 
the events that were unfolding in France and the fact Mm -hmm. that Sally was pregnant, I don't think that she could have made another choice that would have been as safe for her and for Mm. her child. Um, It's just, it's sad because she's given this choice where it's like, yeah, you could do, you know, you could do this and be free and, you know, be in charge of your own life. But here are all the dangers and hardships that are going to follow with that. Or you can come back and continue being a slave. But you'll be safe. And you'll, you'll be, be with your family. You'll be safe <clears throat> is pretty much like the, yeah. the, the You'll be the last safe and you'll nail, be with your you know? family. So yeah. I mean And your kid I will be it. safe. Yeah. It's like how do you make a choice that doesn't leave your kid safe? Right. Yeah. I thought the brother was very brave to even ask when when that conversation went down yes. in France. Mm-hmm. I was like s- silently applauding. as I was reading that bit. Um, So do you think that, what about Jefferson and Patsy's relationship specifically? Do you think that they have a good father-daughter relationship? A weird one? Um, What's your, what's your thoughts on that? I wouldn't say it was weird. Um, I think, I think it's very much the whole, um, you know, I'm the father I have much wisdom, so you should hear what I have to say and then, like, come to my side of thinking and help me. (laughs) Um, It's very much family-oriented and, in a way, I don't think is always a good way of thinking being family-oriented because, yes, you should be there for your family, but at the same time, you should allow your children to kind of do their own thing, you know? Um, cause um, there were a few times where she's like, you know, I'm trapped. I, I have no, nowhere else to go. I have, you know, I have nothing else to do. Like, this is, this is like what, who I am now, you know? And, um, I don't think that's quite right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are three Jeffersons in this novel, right? Yeah. The, um, monument. The one that the public eye sees, the creator of the Declaration of Independence, this, you know, myth among men, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Then there's the one that he sees of himself. He lies to himself constantly in this book. He's constantly, you know, trying to navigate his love for his family and his love for his country. And then there's the one, then there's the actual man, the one who is making... A fair amount of mistakes, yes. <laughs> manipulating and it, conniving, and um, which one do you think America remembers, and which one do you think um, it, it, it looms largest in this book? Jeanette, I'm calling on you since no one else is talking. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, America thinks of Jefferson as like. Jefferson, mm-hmm. you know, the founding father. And, like, you know, obviously that can't be the whole picture of who this person was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I that's just not – somebody's public persona is never their entire picture. Right. Um, but, you know, the, it was just the other – the other side of him is just such a weird combination to me of, you know, manipulation and loneliness, really. Yeah. Like, that's why he manipulates everybody into staying with him is he doesn't want to be by himself without his wife. He doesn't think he can face all these different challenges and these things he's got. he's trying to do. He thinks he needs to, like, retire and, you know... Yeah. work this plantation but he's really just lonely yeah actually I, I was sorry go ahead oh no I I mean that's the basically the yeah. main idea of what I was trying to say that's why yeah. he you know he's a sad he, character yeah yeah he could help you know and he does he helps 
Patsy and her husband with their own money problems and everything. But he's never like, well, let's see how we can get your, you know, let's see how we can get your plantation up and running. Mm-hmm. It's always, well, here's some money and come stay with me. Yes. It's just thinking that. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> I was actually thinking, Tara, when you said that, I think the two are combined in this book. Um, mm. Yes, because um, Jeanette talking about it, I was like, you know, it might, I think it might be it. I think... Um, they are trying to show how Jefferson sees himself because you see how he never, he always has an open door. He never turns anybody away. Um, he loves being a mentor, you know? Um, but at the same time with Patsy, you see like, but then he's doing it for these other manipulative reasons, you know? So I feel like they're showing both in the book. And what's interesting about him mentoring is that when his mentees don't come out the way he wants them to, it's not so much about, oh, well, you know, this person took a different turn from where I expected, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I've brought, you know, I'm bringing up these people because, you know, many of them are young. Mm -hmm. I'm bringing up these people and taking them under my wing so that they, you know, learn to make their own decisions based on information. Mm-hmm. They're learning to set themselves up. They're learning to go out and do what they think is right. It's always, he gets very frustrated and upset. Right. Um, right. Yep. You know, as like what happened with William Short, William Short decides, <laughs> Hey, these are the things yeah. that I want to do with these ideals that you've taught me mm-hmm. and all the experience that you've given me. And Thomas Jefferson's like, he's never going to make anything of himself and I don't want him around my daughter. So yeah. cutting him loose. <laughs> Look what happened. So be done with that. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Speaking of William, uh, Team William or Team Randolph? Team William. Well, totally Team William. <laughs> but, you know, I feel, I feel really sad for Randolph. Yes. Same. He, he, and this is the part where it got a little bit long for me because I'm sure, you know, a lot of this, I'm sure a lot of this stuff is important in the history mm-hmm. of, you know, Tom Randolph becoming who he became. Mm-hmm. Right. But it it felt like every other chapter was, so the crops failed again. Yes. <laughs> and gives it like all the details about why this is terrible. I'm like, no, no, you can just say, yeah, we're poor again because <laughs> yeah. the crops failed again and keep going. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, a, li- a little too Tolkien-esque right there. <laughs> yeah. And I never complain about detail. Of the, but the I was flora like, and fauna. I, well, it, and multiple and, times. I mean, it's good and it's bad because it's. It's good in the sense that every time I read it, I felt exhausted and frustrated mm-hmm. and like, oh, we're doing this again, yeah. which I'm sure is how the characters felt, too. Like, I was with them. Yep. <laughs> I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> like, why? This cannot be happening again. And But at the same time, it was like, okay, I get it. You guys are really upset here. Yeah. I, I, I do. I will say this for Thomas. I love how she slowly falls in love with him. I oh, love how I surprising love that to her. part. The, At the yeah. beginning of their it's marriage? Amazing. Oh, so good. <laughs> I mean, he – and that's part of, you know, what makes it frustrating, frustrating and how you kind of evolve with the characters too is because mm-hmm. he's such a great guy. You know, he wasn't the guy that she was like passionately in love with. Mm-hmm. But she does fall in love with him and she sees that he, you know, just because he's not, oh, you know, her father's – um her father's protege with all his, you know, huge ambitions. It, like, it doesn't mean he's not a good man. It's not, it doesn't right. mean that he doesn't care about his family and he's not a very loving husband and that he's not going to try and do anything he can for them because he does all of that. And he's a really great guy. It's just, it's that frustration that makes you, you know, that can make a person bitter. It changes you. Yeah. And it changes their relationship. Yeah. So what, what, so at the end, you know, when, you know, at the end of both of those relationships for, with William and with Randolph, um, how do you think, 
do you think they're foils for each other? How do you think Patsy relates to each of them? Hmm. Um, well, I, they're, I think they would have to meet like different parts of Patsy. Um, because William was like, stay here with me in France and marry me and then we can see the world and you can see what everybody else is doing and, you know, growing that way. And then with with Tom, it's more like, it's a more traditional uh, mm-hmm. way of living that she's used to, you know? Um, and so, I, I mean, they're, both of them clearly, I, you know, they would never be friends. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, you know, <laughs> um, but they, they have like 3% in common. Yeah. Like, that. like <laughs> yeah. a very small amount. Um, and I think they just like how Sally and Patsy met different needs for, for Jefferson. These two meet Patsy's needs in totally different ways. Um, if she found somebody in the middle, that'd have been fantastic, but <laughs> Um, not to be not to be unfortunately um i i really i liked william though like <laughs> i was rooting yeah. for him <laughs> which you know it, it didn't happen in real life so i get it <laughs> right. yeah you can't you can't make that much up, yep. <laughs> right? we know who we know who ends up with who yeah <laughs> um matt what about you what do you think i mean I actually really like what Susan was just saying because I hadn't thought about it in that sense that they both meet different needs for Patsy, but they really do. Um, One thing that frustrated me about William is that William basically gives her an ultimatum. He's like, don't leave France, or if you do, don't come back. Mm -hmm. And Right? Yeah. I I was like, that's – considering what you know about this – this woman, I get. I guess she was still a girl at the time, but you know, young woman. Like, why would you give her an ultimatum? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you know that that's not going to go down well, I and do you feel know like that she's wanted... not going to pick you first. I know. I do feel like he wanted to save her. Yeah, I think he did. <clears throat> I think so. So too, but I think I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying I feel like he like literally viewed that that as his role like i can save patsy from this right from these traps from these chains right and i'm not saying that that's necessarily a good or a bad thing what i'm saying is that the way he did it doesn't work oh no yes like you're talking about somebody like he's he's giving an ultimatum to somebody who's very strong-willed has a lot of her own opinions that's why he wants to marry her in the first place and she's the daughter of somebody with a lot of opinions and a very strong will who has put it out there like hey i need you to be responsible for all these important things and he's telling her i know that that's your goal i know that this is what you're doing but if you take a couple of months away from me to go and do that for him then you shouldn't come back Mm -hmm. and i just think that's a crazy thing to ask of somebody like to say hey you know you can't make your own decisions this one case when you know that that's all they want to do is make their own decisions so do you think that there was any way at all that William Short could have convinced Patsy to stay or do you think at that point Jefferson's hooks were so in there that her experience in the convent, the experience of what's been, what was going on in France at the time, that there's just, do you think there's any way she would have stayed in France with him? I think if he had approached it without the ultimatum, like yeah. some other way, like, hey, you know, I need you to stay because soon we're going to have to travel. And by the time you get back, I might have to move on, you know, right. something like that, which appeals to her sense of I have to be part of these events as they're unfolding mm-hmm. maybe. Mm. something like that i feel that, like jefferson maybe. would have found a way <laughs> like, oh, no yeah. matter what i honestly feel like jefferson would have found a way <laughs> but honestly i think they're i think they're uh i think their best move would have been or his best his best move would have been to say okay 
you go back to the States and see what happens when it's time for you to come back and marry me. See what your father does. Because I think that would have made Patsy more aware of the manipulation. I don't Mm. think she was fully aware of his manipulation Mm. as it was happening. She just felt obligated. I think she may have caught an inkling when she was telling Jefferson of what she wanted to do. You know, um, she was talking to him about wanting to marry William. And then, you know, he starts talking. I don't think she realized she was being manipulated or anything, but she was like, he's making these compelling arguments and then why I should go with him. It makes total sense, you know? Yeah, she's like, yeah. I know I shouldn't, but he's yeah. being logical. Right. And she's a yeah. logical person right. by nature. Yep. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying is that she sees it as logic and not manipulation. And I think if William had put it like that, it's like, you know, logically, I don't think your dad's going to let you come. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if this is what you want to do, see what happens. And I think then Patsy would have fought harder to go back and be with William because she would have been like, no, he's right. You told me come here, come back to the States, get you settled, and in a few months I'd be back on my way to Paris, mm-hmm. and I'm not. Like, And that's one thing, that that was one area in their relationship when Patsy put something in front of Jefferson, like, hey, you made a deal or you made a promise and you broke it, right. that he was always like, you're right, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yes, but mm-hmm. she wasn't good at manipulating him yet. That's true. Well, she was very young at the time. Yeah, she was, she's a kid. Um, So, you know, in what ways is she America's first daughter? In what ways is this title just apt? Um, She kind of helped him with his political career, right? She, she, you know, talked, I guess, not like backdoor dealings. That's not what I'm thinking of, but I'm like out of office stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, she goes to salons and talks yeah. to people. And as we know, women have more control than <laughs> was written down. So, you yeah. know, people talk. They talk to their husbands. Right, right. Kind of you know. getting the feel, you know, like yeah. she would get information yeah. from the ladies and then she would be able to like tell him and then he can make appropriate changes and, you know, things like that. And because he's just not good at that part of politics, you know, <laughs> Yeah, um, Jefferson, she, not good at hiding his feelings, but <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah. She's like, she, you know, she does that first lady role. Cause, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, she's there doing that social piece. She's mm-hmm. there um, kind of guiding it. Yeah. Yep. So, guys, did you like it? I liked it. Um, like I said before, like it was a little too long for me. Um, and also I wasn't thrilled with the narrator. <laughs> she, she narrated really slowly. Um, <laughs> oh, I listened to the audiobook at like 2.5 speed. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like 1.25 sounded normal speed. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's really slow. Um, but like I, I liked it. I liked... Um, Like, there were a lot of points in the book where I really enjoyed, like, her being in the convent I thought was really interesting. Um, Her beginning beginning of her marriage with Randolph was interesting. So there were a lot Mm -hmm. of, like, big points that I liked. Um, So, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I liked it. I didn't love it, but there are a lot of parts that I found really, really fascinating to read. There are parts I really enjoyed. Um. Yeah. I liked it, it a lot. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no. I was I was pretty done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I mean, I liked it a lot. I, I, I thought it was slow in the beginning, but like once I got into it, it went super fast after that. Mm-hmm. So, um, and something we didn't talk about, but something I really loved about the book was all of the sort of side characters. Yeah. Like I love Abigail Adams. She was great. And Lafayette. <laughs> and like, like all these like larger than life side characters mm-hmm. that are like major influencers in history like i love seeing that from her her perspective um yeah so. that was one of the parts that i loved was in lafayette comes to monticello mm-hmm. oh I'm like, yeah I'm like yeah that, that that's a good scene that's a great scene <laughs> yeah. 
Um, all right. Well, thanks for reading this book with me. Um, our next book on Eclectic Readers is going to be The Bear and the Nightingale by Catherine Arden. Woo. Woo. Excited. Exciting. <laughs> I'm super excited about that, and not just because it's my pick. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, it's I'm because excited. it's your pick, but also well, that's one of the reasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, if you want to read more about any of the books we've mentioned today, you can find our show notes on eclecticreaders.fireside.fm/slash fifty-one. And if you want to find us on the internet, you can do that. Susan, where can people find you? People can find me on Goodreads, Twitter, and let's see, at Rudy Kaicho. That's R-U-R-I underscore K-A-I-C-H-O-U. What about you, Tara? You can find me on Goodreads, Twitter, and let's see, by my name, Tara Newman, T-A-R-A-N-E-W-M-A-N. Jeanette? You can find me on Goodreads and Litzy at J-M-T-R-I-V-E-R-A. That's J-M-T Rivera. And you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Jeanette, D-R-J-E-A-N-N-E-T-T-E. And don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. Then you can go and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, which helps other people find us and listen and become part of our big bookworm club that we love. And I think that's it. So let's shelve this until next month. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.